everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And I'm Jeremy. And we're hey! the Classic... Hey! Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna try. We Every time we have a guest on, Zach always has to go like... Opa, like it's a party. I, I, I <laughs> always try party. to. I always try to speed forward to try and get the uh, the final line, which is, "We are the Classic Gaming Brothers." We are the Classic Gaming Brothers, and Jeremy. Jeremy joins us from his podcast, Bracket Bastards. They go through and put things up against each other to rate them, right? Like essentially, you do brackets, like sports brackets, but not with sport. Well, I guess you could do sports teams, but prime, like you did, like video games before, and you you bracket up like retro games and stuff and that's kind of like where you you came to us as it were through the through the night yeah i mean we do basic sports brackets and i mean yes we actually have a wrestling one coming up uh oh, fun. I-, I believe around SummerSlam, but we don't do sports that often because most of us are not huge sports fans i mean yeah there's some football fans in there but like someone like me i don't watch any sport because i don't have time for it so right but yeah it's basic sports brackets or like a tournament like a ki- like a king of the ring almost and we just do usually 32 or 64 split into two weeks and we just go through them and whoever wins wins it can get dirty a lot of times and it can get very um competitive at times about about people getting angry about their choices not getting picked uh, so I'm, I'm i'm curious now about how this whole thing works so how many are on the podcast we initially started with five of us in the okay. beginning Myself, Freddie Fisher, the head bastard who runs the Bracketology page on Facebook, which is where this podcast came from. The three of us that initially were set to do this, Freddie, myself, and Harvey, we never met each other before. We live on separate parts of the, of the country, for God's sakes. But Freddie put out a post saying he wanted to start a podcast doing what he does in his Facebook group. So we just... I responded, Harvey responded, and eventually it just came to be, and he, Freddie, had his friend Q, Quentin, from work, and Quentin's wife, Jess, just kind of hopped on the second or third show we did, so that was the original five, and now we have um, Jamie and Chansey as our, we rotate them in when we need people, or Freddie, if Freddie doesn't want to vote for one, on, on one show, he'll, we'll rotate them in, or we have guests all the time, too, like, we've had guests from Masturbators and other podcasts. Do you each develop your own bracket, as it were, or is the, the master bracket made? and then you guys vote on who wins each of the tiers? Yeah, basically the way it works is Freddy makes most of the brackets either based on some kind of ranking if he can, but like some of them you just can't rank. Like we just did a Summer Blockbusters uh, bracket, 64, and he, he ranked those by how much money they made the summer they came out. The video game one was actually my bracket because I wanted to do a video games bracket. It's actually going to be four episodes all together because we did pre-2000s in the first two episodes and the second two episodes are going to be post-2000s game oh, series. Oh, nice. Nice. And it's all game series. They have to have more than three games in their series. Like Red Dead Redemption couldn't get into it because of that. Right. What about if you think about Red Dead Revolver? I don't and... count that. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. <laughs> I don't think anybody counts that, but maybe it is in the second one. I, I forget now. It's been months since I had those uh, brackets completely come up. Anyway, basically, I made the video game bracket just by genres. Kind of like genres against genres as best as I could. House of Dead versus Castlevania was in the first round of it because they're, they're both horror games. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just from there, it just basically went on, and the winner was surprising to say the least. Well, we don't, we wouldn't want to spoil it for anyone who wants to go over and listen to yours. But was there any upstart that wasn't the ultimate winner that surprised you? You mean kind of one that made it through to the end almost? Yeah, or like beat somebody out that you wouldn't normally think. Well, the final battle is right there. That's a pure, pure example of that. But there's more things I didn't expect to get voted out so fast, like James Bond video games, like GoldenEye. They got voted out i think in the first round and i was not expecting that because oh, golden eye yeah. is like a childhood memory for so many people are my age but golden eye is one game and to be fair the rest of the games james bond series is forgettable <laughs> true Nightfire is a great game. <laughs> I can't say I played any of the other ones except GoldenEye, at least, at least to my recollection. That's forgettable. <laughs> uh, that's, that's cool. That's it's really cool. So it's Bracket Bastards, and you guys are on... Wherever podcasts are found. Spotify, Anchor. I just recently got us on Amazon Music and other smaller ones. We're now on Stitcher, so... And Jeremy, now you mentioned before we started that you, you have um, some other podcasts that you have done work with. You have your own that's not Bracket Bastards. So what, what else have you you and uh, involved with after doing bracket bastards for a few months i kept getting ideas for shows and i finally decided to take one of my favorite topics in the world and put it into a show and that show is called paranormal 
the new normal. And it's a interview-based show where I interview people. It could be everyday people. It could be podcasters. It could be authors. Whoever has had actual paranormal experiences. And basically, we talk about what they do for in life with as related to paranormal subjects. And then they tell us anywhere from three to six or seven of their experiences with me asking questions and giving feedback. And then at the end, we play a nice little game called Creature Feature, where I pick, I pick from a list of about 30 cryptids I have. Well, 32, actually. And I pick four or five or sometimes more and we just discuss our beliefs on that particular cryptid oh that sounds great i have always been fascinated by cryptids and paranormal st- stuff like that so i'll have to check out your show paranormal the new normal facebook group join that facebook group and you'll see everything that we put out so if you're you're listening and you want to listen to more of jeremy you can check out both of his podcasts uh, bracket bastards and paranormal the new normal so you can check those out and uh give him a, a follow and like on where all those socials are though we're here and you're here because we all have something in common and that would be video games well we always start off talking about what we've recently been playing and jeremy you are the guest so uh do you want to tell us what you've been recently playing um well actually including today i was playing lego star wars the skywalker saga nice oh nice which i love um any lego game i've been playing lego games since lego batman first came out actually even before that i played uh lego island i think it was called on yes yeah yeah i love lego island <laughs> that's the game we love lego island here where the only things you could do were like either do a race or catch the guy stealing pizza yeah 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 that's, yeah. that's it <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to do in life. So, I mean, yeah, I've been playing Lego games since I was a kid with those. And then once they started doing the f- trademarked franchise games, like, I just got hooked. I mean, the first Lego Batman was kind of eh, but what do you expect from the first game in any series? Which we'll get to that later, too, when we get to the main series we're discussing today. But, but yeah, I mean, as they got better, I mean, from Lego Batman 2 even up, it just got amazing. I played all the, Le- all the Lego DC ones, all the Lego Marvel ones, both Lego Harry Potter games, and all the Lego Star Wars, well, not all Lego Star Wars games because a lot of them if I play them now they're for 360 style still they don't oh re- yeah, yeah. They, ne- they never remastered them and it's kind of like uh, like telltale remaster all your old Lego games that are not remastered yet you need to for a Series X and PS5 wherever they're on I mean they really should they like those games are great <laughs> They did. They just did it for the Harry Potter games, but they haven't done for any of the other ones yet. Which I I beat the Harry Potter games 100% each, so I don't want to go back and play them again. They're not they're not replayable games, really. Right. Yeah, right. Are you are you a fan of like collectathon type games like the or is it just specifically the Lego games? That... Oh God, no! I love any game where there's. I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm a huge Ubisoft fan is because mm-hmm. I love I love collectibles. I love 100 percenting things. Like there are a few times I will walk away without a 100 percenting game just because the achievement is so impossible to get. That I'm just giving up. But other than that, I love collecting collectibles. I love like when they give you the little extras if you find all of, like a hundred or something or something like that. Like it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a definitely a a side of gaming there are people that like like yourself that really like platinuming games and stuff like that and really just like the objective when you get a game is to just like 100% it so Zach um, what have uh, yeah. you been recently been playing uh, I was playing a homebrew NES game through an emulator and it's based on the great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald <laughs> which is an odd sort of thing to make a game out of but it was uh, a homebrew game originally created by two guys Peter Smith and Charles Huey they actually initially started it as a flash game back when I think I discovered it originally when I was in high school when they hosted it on their website and on their website they kind of made the game look like it was like a lost NES game they had like fake manuals they made and they were like oh we found this game at a flea market for 50 cents look what it is and like they they did a fun job like giving this game some story to it but after flash died they uh, went in and actually turned it into an actual NES ROM that you can play in an emulator if you a flash cart you could put it you know on your system uh and it's a fun little platformer it, it plays like most nes platformers you'd expect uh you actually play as nick from the great gatsby and you have a hat and you throw your hat at people and that's how you fight people like odd job yeah <laughs> yeah like odd job and it goes through the it goes through the like story beats of great gatsby so you you start off at the party you meet gatsby um then it does a little cut scene where it shows him looking at the the green light coming from the across the you know across the lake but uh it's a fun time it's a free game 
programs. So you can just go to their website and download it. Um, if you look up like Great Gatsby NES, you can download the ROM. And if you have uh, any emulator, Nestopia is what I use. You can just pop it in and play it. Yeah, see, I found sites a long time ago. They have like PS1 games on them and stuff. And I've wanted to go back and play like the Rugrats game because that game was epic back in the day. But I just don't have the time to sit in my computer ever and play games. Like I wish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's nice about this one it is it does kind of remind me of playing some of the old NES games that you don't necessarily need to be invested into. So you can just like pop it in and go through the first level and it's you know fun enough that you know I, I was having a blast and then I could just turn it off and be like okay I'm done I can play this again later. <laughs> so it's a neat little game. But that's what I've been playing. Seth, what about you? Uh, so recently I've been playing a demo that we saw actually at PAX, uh, The Valley of the Shadow. It's planned to be released sometime in 2023 by Sinner Steel Studio. Uh, it is a autobiographical puzzle game about mortality. You essentially play in a first person's perspective and you are a guy who is going through therapy and as you go through therapy you explore this essentially this like memory palace of his and you kind of relive your essentially your past and you have like your family and you have issues so it's like a journey of healing while you solve puzzles with a magical staff. It's an interesting game. There's like photographs of this person's family in the game and oh, you find oh. it and it's like interesting. Um, so I, I played a little bit of it. I will probably play a little bit more of it. It's definitely an alpha stage right now. It's planning to be released sometime in 2023. So they're still working on it and it shows the audio isn't like super refined yet in regards to like um it's not it feels like you're listening to somebody's therapy while playing a video game instead of listening to part of the video game if that makes sense yeah that's that's interesting it's a little uh a little heavier i think than the two games that me and jeremy have been playing <laughs> yes <laughs> well uh, I don't know. It's pretty heavy to keep replaying the same Star Wars levels over and over again to get many hits. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But it was the one that we saw with the uh, the room with had like the very nostalgic things on the wall. Oh, yeah. It had posters of like Doom and Quake and stuff like that. And I think there was like an N64. Yeah, there's definitely still the N64, but some of the posters that were there in packs are not there anymore in the demo. So I don't know if they were pulled for licensing reasons or if they got unlocked later. They're probably pulled for licensing reasons but yeah um, that's still cool show something in packs that everyone's like oh that's cool and then it's actually not there but anyway <laughs> so when we uh reached out to jeremy to talk about coming on to our show uh we generally ask our guests kind of like what kind of games they're into and like and jeremy came back saying that he was interested in ubisoft games and the like the assassin's creed franchise so we're gonna talk a little bit about the the original assassin's creed and we'll talk a little bit about the uh the franchise uh, as well and um i'm sure jeremy will lend his expertise in playing of the Assassin's Creed games as I actually personally have not played a lot of them. I got pretty far in the original one and then something happened where I stopped playing it. I don't know if somebody saved over my game or wasn't on the console anymore or something. Something happened I just couldn't pick it back up again and then all of the other Assassin's Creed games came out in a very short succession to my brain and now I feel like I have to go back and play them to understand the future ones. I know that it kind of like is grouped together like Ezio has his own like story set of games and Altair has his own. So like I bet I could go into like some of the newer games without having played the original original game to completion but I'm still somebody who really likes to see the full story unfold as the game progresses. Uh, be that as it may I'm on my long journey of completing the Assassin's Creed games and so I'm 75% of the way through the first one um and it's the probably the farthest i've been in the game so i'm not uh, the best character witness for any of the <laughs> assassin's creed games yeah well the first one was a rough one to base the whole series on anyway because the first one was i mean for its time it was good but i couldn't imagine going back and playing it now i would be like turning it off probably within like 10 minutes it was one it was one of those games where it was like all games that came out in like 2011 10 era they're all wash rinse repeat with like the mission styles follow this character 
don't get caught. Overhear this character talking, don't get caught. Kill this character, run for your freaking life. But that's basically like all the first game was, was those three things over and over and over again until you got to the end. I mean, it was a good game. I played it all the way through and I don't think I 100%ed it completely, but I mean, I played it all the way through because the collectibles back then were, some of them were impossible to figure out how to get. I'm still not even sure how the collectibles work in the first game. Like, I still to this day, I'm like, I think there were like pictures or on um like buildings and stuff and you had to like kind of figure out where to go to like see them fully, but it just, it didn't give you any good hints and the map system sucked back then in all games. They also had flags, if you remember. They had like random flags that you could find in the, uh, the first game. Banners, I think they were. Yeah, yeah, banners. Yep, you could find the banners of people and then you had like the different vantage points you need to get. Viewpoints are always been a, a big part, a big part of the game. They never got rid of. That's the fun of the game is climbing to the top of a building that n no one would ever climb on in real life on any of those buildings because they're they are real buildings or at least they some of them were. The viewpoints have always been one of the selling points of the games because just the image of them doing a 360 rotation with the camera around your character atop those viewpoints is gorgeous. It's always been a gorgeous landscape behind you. Yeah, and then going for that dive, the leap of faith, right into the conveniently placed uh, cart full of hay that's. <laughs> the bottom <laughs> you know because <laughs> every street in medieval iraq or israel wherever the hell the first game was has just hay carts everywhere right know? yeah every yeah. block has like five yeah. bustling economy of hay <laughs> what you were saying about like out like the different like sagas i'll put it like altair is only in the first game and he's part of brotherhood but he's not really the main character the Ezio was the first real saga, and that went from two to Brotherhood and all the other ones that were like, um, there's like one main game and three like little games to go with it. That was the that was the Ezio trilogy basically, and then from there they jumped into the Connor Kenway saga, which is Connor, his father, and his father's father in reverse order though. Like they do them completely out, they do them completely out of order, and you're going back in time kind of. Because Valhalla is part of that. No, it's not. Oh, so the Valhalla is completely different. After that, they jumped into a three games that really weren't a saga at all. They were just, well, they were all European games. They had one that took place in London and one took place in Paris. In, in the London one, you were, you could play as two twins and you had, it was like, it was like Rent the Throne of Five. You could switch between the characters at, at will, basically. And like, certain ones could do certain missions that the other ones couldn't do. So, I mean, that was a very cool thing in that particular game, and I love that game. I mean, the the Fry Twins, Jacob and Evie, and there was a Jack the Ripper DLC in that one. Yeah, that was Syndicate, right? Yeah, Syndicate, that's the name. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers, though, it's really not spoilers, because that game's been out for, like, almost ten years now. The Evie brother is, Jacob Evie is Jack the Ripper. He hunts him down, and he takes, it's like a Darth Vader moment. He takes off the hood, and it's really him. Oh. Because Jack the Ripper used hallucinogenics. Like, he would throw, he would throw, like, hallucinogenic powder like when he was like leaving a crime scene so that anybody who tried to follow him got confused or I, I don't know how based in reality that is basically the pa those powers were making him insane and that's why he didn't realize he was Jack the Ripper but after after yeah it was Assassin's Creed Syndicate and Assassin's Creed I always forget the name of the one that took place in France but it was the worst designed game ever because they tried to make it like multiplayer where any multi anybody could jump in at any time into your game oh is that unity yes assassin's creed unity yeah, yeah. yeah i think you can have like four players and there was multiplayer missions you had to complete for 100 percent like that you actually you actually had to play That's the multiplayer the missions but and like it wasn't like a separate menu or anything it was right in the game on the map you go to like where the icon is and it would automatically try to launch a multiplayer thing and it would crash 90 percent of the time and i played that game like three or four years after it came out because i was behind on assassin's creed for a few years there they do that and still three four years later it never got fixed and it got to the point where they just shut down the support for it because they never fixed it just shut the lights off we're done <laughs> but it was after those two games that that's when origins odyssey and valhalla comes into play because they really couldn't go forward in time anymore because in unity evie ends up fighting in world war one I, I think it is oh and, okay. and like yeah. in a dlc she fought in world war one you're on like the eiffel tower like on a machine gun shooting down planes which is as far futuristic as assassin's creed i think at that point wanted to go but yeah i mean and basically with with creating the prequel trilogy like they did, or, I mean, that's what I call it at least, they wanted to start, like, a new character, too. Because, like, through up up through Assassin's Creed 3, you're Desmond in the modern day. A, a, a kid who doesn't know that his father was an assassin, and he is basically kidnapped by Templar, saved by assassins, and he joins their fight after a while once he figures out, and you have to play as him in the modern world doing, like, jumping puzzles and stuff, basically. And then once they got rid of him, though, after 3, like, you were playing as Abstergo employees, the people who were really Templar, and who made Assassin's Creed games in the Assassin's Creed game. Abstergo, U Ubisoft made themselves named, like they made themselves a Templar company in the game named Abstergo. They made video games and stuff too to try to promote the Templar image. 
Oh, oh, that's fun. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so, like, in uh, Black Flag, Rogue, you're an Abstergo employee, and you're you're slowly, like, in the modern day, you're in the Abstergo offices, like, reading notes and hearing messages left by employees, kind of revealing everything about Abstergo behind the scenes. And, like, in each game, you try to escape, and I forget what happens at the end of them, because it's been so long since I played them, but I think in one, one of them gets shanked. In uh, Syndicate and Unity, I forget who you are in the modern world of anybody. I think you actually... Those might be Absurgo employee games too, I think. I know in Syndicate, I think it is, in the beginning of the game, you are a Absurgo employee because you get to pick, like the first screen that pops up is like different Assassin's Creed eras that like some of them that never existed in an actual game. Like they have like 1920s jazz New Orleans era, but they never had a game with that or anything like that. But they make you pick Paris 1300s. It's the only one you could pick. And I'm like, oh, I wanted to pick the other ones. <laughs> Some of the other ones sounded freaking awesome. But they may be future games. So they wanted to start with a new girl main modern character in the in the prequel trilogy. And basically you're discovering the oldest like known things about assassins and Templars. And, but not even Templars because they're not Templars yet. They're ancient ones or I forget what they called them in the Origins. I think they're just called the Order. Valhalla takes place during Viking times. Um, Odyssey takes place during like Greece. It takes place during the Greek Trojan Wars. Okay. And then what about um, Origins? Origins is ancient Egypt. Like Cleopatra and Mark Anthony are actually in the game. Oh, that's cool. Can you climb to the top of the pyramid? And you can slide down the pyramid. Oh, yes. That's good. <laughs> I remember one of my friends showing me a screenshot from the top of the pyramid and it was like the coolest thing I'd seen. <laughs> Origins was amazing, but the deserts were really long to cross when you got to those points. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they made you fight elephants. Oh. <laughs> you literally would go to, like, these arenas in the middle of the desert, like a tropic. I think there was, like, three or four of them in the whole game. And most of them, there was one elephant you had to kill, which the elephant's freaking charging you and trying to stomp you to death and everything while you're, while you're just a human stabbing it with a freaking stick. It takes forever, and it's hard to do. And then the final one, there's two elephants that want you to kill. I can't tell you how many times I played that freaking battle between the two elephants, and then finally I managed to kill one of them, and I just was able to, like, had to keep running off to regain health and my health like regenerate i was just running around the arena trying to hide and like collect arrows so i actually could shoot the thing but origins was a really good game and odyssey was amazing i i love i love ancient greece i love greek gods and all that mythology so of course gods play a huge part in any assassin's creed game whether it's christianity or whatever time period they're in but the greek gods were awesome because they had gods in the egypt one too but it was only like battles you could do against gods like in there could be a big god in the sky you'd have to just keep shooting it with arrows or if his hand gets stuck in the ground slash at it. Starting with Odyssey, like, you actually got to meet Greek gods. Like, you went to the afterlife in that game, and you met Zeus and everything. Oh, cool. You get to fight, like, uh, Medusa and the Cyclops and stuff, right? Oh, yes. They added in all the creatures of Greek mythology, and there's, like, three Cyclopses you to beat, I think, and Medusa, and then other ones too like there's centaurs in it as well i believe Aussie was awesome and then also it was the first game where they had like land wars where you could like either join you go, you run in you could either join the trojan side or the greek side and like fight in a war oh sweet basically it's meaning you have to kill enough people to like win the war attack. but you could win favor of whatever faction you would fight for and that that would depend how you're treated on in the regions you're in if you're in like a athens and you have bad greek relations and all the soldiers are going to be like trying to kill you so you can you can kind of you have like a safe haven if you're if you've been helping one side or the other you can kind of go there and be treated with more respect and stuff but they also give you different rewards based on what side you fight for so that always that always determined my pick that's fun i should i should really try and pick up some of the the later versions i i honestly am just trying to get along with good old altair and <laughs> the first one <laughs> um. if you if you were going to do that, play the new prequel trilogy because they are, there's mentions of other games kind of in them, but the Easter eggs are a lot less than every other game where they talk about, like in every other game, they talk, they talk about Desmond completely, even after he's gone. We did do some, a little bit of research on, on regards to the, the history of the original Assassin's Creed, because we like to talk about how these games, they really exist because of preceding games, right? So they don't, you wouldn't have an Assassin's Creed if they never made the decision or the jump to move towards doing an Assassin's Creed game. And I found that originally going to be another Prince of Persia game. Yes. So it was originally planned as a sequel to Prince of Persia, uh, The Sands of Time. And 
they as they were starting to develop it it was originally going to go come out on the playstation 2 but because of the xbox 360 and the playstation 3 and the the hardware that really pushed the limits of gaming because the jump from the jump from playstation 1 to playstation 2 was massive and then the jump from playstation 2 to playstation 3 and xbox to xbox 360 was also equally a massive jump when it comes to technology and that kind of really that jump in technology really allowed the director patrice de Solis, <laughs> allowed him to go forward with developing a new game um, and really making the game that we now have the franchise really and kind of set those core things because you we mentioned earlier about the um the whole bird's eye view type situation being kind of always present in every single assassin's creed game and that concept really emanated from the original game like it's there in the original game it's not something that they layered in later but the 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 bird's eye views and the uh leap of faiths all came from the original game as they were like this is this is really cool we should show off the essentially show off the hardware of the seventh generation of consoles it's in every single assassin's creed and there's i i don't know how many assassin's creed games in total 15 something like that I was gonna say I was gonna say eleven or twelve, but I think I yeah, I think it, it might be twelve. I may be overshooting with fifteen. Well, I know there's also spinoffs and stuff, right? There is really no spinoffs besides three side-scrolling games that were Assassin's Creed games, like oh, okay. India, Russia, and China were like the three local houses for each of the games, and they're very short games compared to the other ones. And it's just like an old-school NES game, like it's side-scrolling. You jump up on platforms and you have to assassinate off from them and like sneak up. And... It's all stealth, like it's a hundred percent stealth. Okay. It's not open world at all. It's just a side-scrolling game. I never even played them because I just... Every time I watch a video for them, I'm like, I don't want to play that. <laughs> Fair enough. Interesting enough, though, you know how in the first game, Altair has to cut off his finger for yes. the uh, hidden blade to work? In the second game, Leonardo da Vinci, your tech guy, helps Ezio fix the thing so that the, you don't have to cut off fingers anymore, and that, and that sticks throughout the game. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's funny. I really enjoyed in the original game that you can look at everyone's hands that you meet and interact with all the different um, assassins that you run into, and they are, they're all missing their finger, right? It's kind of a cool little like lore that kind of exists in that game where you're like, even the master assassin, even he has it missing because he's he uses it as well. So I think it's kind of a, a kind of a cool background thing that you can kind of keep your eye on look i i also remember assassin's creed for me the original one was one of the first games that i remember that you could walk around in a cutscene. So like when you're doing your missions and you're turning in your missions and they're doing the cutscene where they're telling you what your mission is, you you have control of your Altair and you can kind of like walk around and do stuff. Uh, you can't like leave the area, but still like that, I, I would say that agency that you're you're given is is kind of cool and was something that was unique, at least for me playing that game. Now, I, I, I come from playing a lot of like CRPGs, so not being able to move in a cutscene is pretty much the standard form. Yeah. Yeah, it always was. But I thought that was a kind of a cool thing that, that was introduced. I also, I did some research. Apparently, Altair, which um, is Arabic for bird of prey, mostly because uh, one of his original concept arts around him was looked like a bird of prey. Since the, the assassins described in the book, the Alamut, which the director Patrice really used for inspiration, which was written by Vladimir Bartol back in the 1938, had these assassin characters in there that wore like all white robes and red belts and they ended up one of the original concept art that was done for Altair had him looking like a bird of prey which is where the character's name came from I do like that the, another inspiration from him came from G.I. Joe and was based on the character Storm Shadow, which is the other ninja in G.I. Joe that's not Snake Eyes. And they essentially were like, we want a character like Storm Shadow because Storm Shadow in G.I. Joe, if people aren't familiar, is a anti-hero. He is sometimes works for Cobra and sometimes works for the Joes. And that's kind of like this, like, and he's a, a very skilled, agile ninja. Altair is not necessarily a good person. He's an, obviously he's an assassin. So, I, so he's definitely kind kind of got that like anti-hero role like he's what maybe we'll do the right thing at the right time but like ultimately he's got a job that he's got to do yeah i mean well i never 
had a problem with the idea of killing people for the better good of the world. Because, like, you're killing, and in the first few games, if you kill anybody else, you unsynchronize, and you get pu- and you get pushed back out into modern times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, it, you are, like, when you when you read about the people that you're killing, they're not good people. <laughs> like, no, no, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, especially as you get later on, like, into, like, the Syndicate and Unity games, like, you're killing, like, slavers and kidnappers. And Assassin's Creed Black Flag had a DLC where you play as the black first mate to Edward Kenway on his pirate ship. One of the main things you do is go to plantations and free slaves. And it's it's pretty, I mean, I have no problem killing a slave master to free a slave. And I, I have no problem killing Templars because they are evil-ass people who want to use the artifacts of Eden to dis- destroy the world, basically, or to control the world. And uh, assassins just want to protect the artifacts. That's all they want to do is make sure they don't fall into bad hands. So you, you bring up the, the artifacts of Eden, and the, like there was the, uh, the Apple of Eden is, a, is one of the artifacts that gets um, they're like trying to get. Like the assassins and the Templars are both trying to get a hold of it. And I researched, and it sounds like originally, when they were designing the game, the developers thought it would be funny if they were people of these organizations were fighting over an apple. And they actually then started doing like historical research because i feel like especially in the early assassin's creed they really did a a really good job at like matching up historical like actual like this building existed this is like notre dame or what what have you and really did really good with when it came to modeling out historical places and people and costumes and stuff like that and uh they when they did their research they realized that a lot of uh paintings and stuff like that had these globes of power they were like yeah well we'll just make it an apple of uh, apple of eden which is the the i guess the end goal right is these in the first one yes which i forget what game it was but in 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 one of the games you actually get to use the apple in combat and it like unleashes a power that just like either kills instantly or knocks people back and knocks them out like it's pretty dope <laughs> for lack of a better word even and and eventually there's the st- rod of, the staff of eden 2 which they bring back in odyssey as the staff of hermes yeah okay that's fun you actually go to atlantis in the dlc for odyssey i, I do like the blend of like fantasy with realism in assassin's creed like you'll have like these almost photorealistic buildings and stuff based in history but then you'll also as you mentioned go to atlantis or fight gods or i know in one of them there's like an alternate timeline where george washington becomes king so i i'd like this kind of like blend of alternate realities uh you know magic elements and stuff like that i think it really adds kind of to the world that you're playing in assassin's creed 3 is the one you're talking about by the way right yeah yeah with the the i think that's like a dlc isn't it with the alternate time it is it's called uh tyrant king yeah i remember seeing like the picture for that and it shows like george washington with a crown like sitting on a throne with like the flag draped over it. it's like very like <laughs> like it's it's a cool concept of a game it's right up there with abraham lincoln being a vampire hunter yeah yeah exactly and i just think that's neat and i think the way assassin's creed is able to blend those fantasy elements with those realism elements uh, so seamlessly is kind of i think one of the appeals of the game at least for me there was also the the thing that happened recently ish there was the fire in the the cathedral of uh what was it, the cathedral of notre dame in yeah yeah that was in a few paris ago, yeah. ubisoft gave 3d modeling to paris to be able to help with the reconstruction effort of the cathedral of notre dame because they had to digitize it completely for the game so they're like oh here we have like you know all these cad drawings and stuff of the like countless photographs and like we because we had to digitize it so we had to do it so we conveniently have all of these images that we can just give you to help you with the reconstruction of it from the from the fire which you know that's kind of cool that at some point in time ubisoft is performing some sort of historical service where they're going out and digitizing these important buildings i mean like uh you said that they had a game set in london so if they ever like if they digitize big ben at some point in time to get the big ben into the game oh they definitely they definitely did yeah so then you have records for big ben like you essentially have them going through and every new historical city that they set it in i know that they're kind of going in a past time period where you know like we're not trying to reconstruct any viking monuments that may be in valhalla but but if but if they were to set a different like historical city they would then kind of almost have an archivist kind of ability to you know really preserve history i mean they i'm pretty sure they digitalized uh the pyramids of egypt 
that are standing still. And, and like the, the detail on the, the pyramids amazing because it's like, I think they went off of records that were reported of the pyramid as opposed to what the pyramid looks like today. You know, looking at Egyptian records, you know, like how it was described in ancient Egypt where, you know, it was like it had the crystal top to it and stuff like that. Yeah, because they had a layer of like uh, limestone. Yeah, over yeah. The, the, which is eroded away. And I know they did actually, like, because all the pyramids have secret passages you have to go into to get, like, collectibles and stuff, or to go face Egyptian creatures. I know that they definitely researched, like, where some of the entrances, like, where there actually was, like, secret passageways and some of these underneath, and they would use the actual passageways as, as, like, the path you to take. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, Jeremy, I do have to ask, because you are from Bracket Bastards, so you you do rate <laughs> things. How would you, of the Assassin's Creed games, how would you, you rate them, uh, in your personal opinion? If you had to pick, like, the top five Assassin's Creed games. Ah, uh, that's, I mean, this, this is a question that comes up on Assassin's Creed fan groups on Facebook all the time. I can and, imagine. <laughs> and it's like, ugh. It's so hard to do, but I rate them based on how they change the franchise. Like that's how that's the best way I can rate them because they all, except for the first one, are the most enjoyable games ever. The first one I was just happy to be done with. I had GameFly back then, and the second game came out, and I'm like, all right, well, I gotta play the first one first for continuity. I mean, yeah. So I would I played the first one in two weeks, and the second one is amazing. I mean. Ezio Auditori is one of the best characters ever created. He's a ladies' man. He walks around freaking Venice with Leonardo da Vinci, just chilling and talking about inventions. I mean, the inventions he that Leonardo makes for you are freaking awesome, too. Like, the first, like, hang glider. Oh, ornithopter. Actually, yeah, he didn't. In uh, Brotherhood, he did, I think. Which, Brotherhood is in my top five. Because that was Ezio's story continued, but you start your own Brotherhood of Assassins, and you start recruiting random NPCs in the game to be assassins. There's missions you have to go on, and you save the people every mission, basically. And then you can send them... It's the first game where you can send them on missions, like, in different parts of the world. Like, you can send them to India and Asia and, like, China and to Africa to go help causes or go find artifacts and relics and stuff or go assassinate templars that are supposedly in these re- regions so i mean it's 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 it made it more fun it made it more like you're managing something and that you're and like you would win rewards with they if they did like every i think five or then like ten missions completed you win awards or you unlock abilities or you unlock new weapons that you can use in the main game it made it more of an rpg that's the best way to put it, it made it more of an rpg which that's why brotherhood's in my top five the next game which i had to just google because i always forget the name of it is called Revelations. That's the other one that all terror is in because you go to all these underground tombs and whatnot, and you basically are following a ghost of Altair and doing what he does to get through it because you're unlocking his memory because you studied everything he did. And it, and, it, and it takes place in the same city as the first game, in the same area. Because, like, you have your assassin's fortress that you built with your followers, like, towards the end of Brotherhood, and the Templars destroy it, or whoever, whatever, whatever family's working for the Templars destroys it in the beginning of the game and you just start from scratch so you go back to the original you go back to your original teachings from all like that Altair left in writing and you just learn everything over again basically and that's the end of the Ezio like era which revelations I can't put in my top five though because it's just it's like brotherhood again kind of but the, I mean the Altair ghost thing was cool it's like in a Sonic or Mario game when you have like the go- the ghost running it's kind of like that in the sections of the game the cool thing about that one was though is they had Romulus tombs. If you go, if you did all five or six of them, you unlocked an armor set that was Romulus's armor. Oh, oh. that's really that's, oh, that's very cool. cool. For listeners who don't know, Romulus and Remus are the discoverers of Rome. According to myth, they were raised by wolves. After that, you go to Assassin's Creed Three, which was supposed to be like the next big upgrade in Assassin's Creed. The first real open, open world where you, you can go to everywhere, anywhere you want, basically, at first. There's no little fake border walls blocking your path to go to this part of the city or that part of the city. And Assassin's Creed 3 would be my top five because you play as a Native American and you meet Ben Franklin, who is the dirtiest mother <laughs> ever. <laughs> Like, he becomes your mentor, and he teaches you everything. Assassin's Creed 3 was just awesome, because, I I mean, I'm from New York originally, and I'm from, I live in Massachusetts now, so all that history is something I've learned my whole life, and you get the actual chance to play it out, and, like, you get to do the Boston Tea Party. You, you get to fight in Revolutionary War battles that you heard about. You get to meet George Washington and all the other founding fathers, basically. And you get to save them, too, because that's how you get involved in it all, is because uh, your master tells you you get to the square before someone's hanged, and you just shoot his rope before he 
he gets hung. And, I mean, it's just amazing game. Amazing freaking game. And they did, like, side missions where, like, you had to go to solve these mysteries like and one of them was Bigfoot like is big is there really this big hairy man in this cave and oh no it's just a guy who needs a shower (laughs) (laughs) and I think they had um like the Jersey Devil too and other ones like that like they had like a a lot of other a lot of other ones from that time period that were definitely I mean it was just it made it fun it just made it freaking fun and plus it was the first one to involve hunting which and Ubisoft games became a major thing between Assassin's Creed and Far Cry. I mean, they basically took that element from Far Cry and put it in Assassin's Creed because it was a good element for any game. And you could set traps. It's the only Assassin's Creed game, I believe, where you could actually set traps in the woods for, like, small game. I, n- I never liked the crafting system in Assassin's Creed 3 because it was just too complex and, like, you didn't know how to get half the stuff you need. Mm, yeah, that's any any time that is um complicated crafting i'm usually out i I can't any 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 uh i'm i'm not i'm not someone who like likes to craft in games but i know there are a lot of people who like it so and it was also the first assassin's creed game where you get to change your weapon i mean well not first one it's the first one where you could have like a a weapon besides a sword or a spear right like like you could run in with a hatchet and just chop at mother and which as a juggalo made me so happy but And you could use guns. It was like the first real game where you could buy different guns to use and not just pick up ones that guards dropped. Right, yeah. I mean, it was overall just a great game, and the DLCs were great for it. I mean, that we talked already about the George Washington one. That was a fun DLC to play, because I like, like, historical fiction, where, like, they changed, like, the, that storyline completely. Like, uh, the man in the high tower type stuff. But yeah, so Assassin's Creed 3 is definitely in the second one in my top five. And then Assassin's Creed Black Flag is... Between these two games, I stopped playing for a good three to four years, five years. Just because I didn't have the money flow at the time just to go out and buy games. I didn't play for like a long time and then when I finally got back into it when I moved to Massachusetts I played Black Flag and it was incredible. It's a pirate one. It has awesome storylines and everything. You get to meet Blackbeard. You get to meet all the famous pirates and Blackbeard actually becomes like your business partner almost. And they, they actually have him do the thing in the game where he goes into battle by putting like firecrackers in his beard to make him <laughs> like his, yeah. beard, his beard's on fire. Which is a real thing he did. Yeah, right, yeah. The sailing portion of it where you get to sail, like, between the different locations is freaking amazing. Like, I love that. It reminded me of Zelda Wind Waker. That's my favorite Zelda game is Wind Waker. And so, like, that reminded me of that. So I fell in love with it. The pirate battles were good. They got old fast, though. I mean, after a while, you start avoiding ships. And they had, like, the pirate ships in that game that were, like, the legendary ships. Like, Davy Jones Locker and all that. And, and like, you, you could never beat them. I never could beat some of those. Like, they're just impossible even with your ship fully upgraded, with everything upgraded, you can't win. Unless you're doing, like, the sail as fast as possible in circles around them and try to shoot them. I mean, but you're not going to shoot them because you're moving too fast. But but it was just such a fun game, and it's not my top five, though. And this is why. Because the next game that came out, Rogue, basically you're an assassin who... they mi- The Templars make it look like you betrayed the assassin. So, in the first half hour of the game, you're on the run from assassins, and you basically almost die running, jumping off a cliff running for your life. A real leap of faith. So, basically, you, you become a rogue, and you have to go and okay i should say this black flag had southern tropical islands and they had florida like it all took place in like tropical islands like bermuda and stuff and then florida was as much into the united states as you can go in that one black flag was good to play in the winter because it made you feel warm and sunny rogue was good to play in the summer because it takes place in the north like in all the islands between like canada and new york and massachusetts and london so you were walking on like snow covered islands up in like Greenland area and stuff too. It was so cool the way they did the different animals in each game like because like in Black Flag you're hunting you can hunt lizards you can hunt jaguars and snakes and stuff like that and like in Rogue you're hunting like elk and bear and all like these northern creatures that right, yeah. live, live in the snow. And plus in both games I forgot to mention this the shark hunt the shark hunting and the whale hunting is so cool and the whale is harder than the shark like to kill the whales is harder than the sharks because they're right. so part hard to kill and like they ram your damn boat you're not on your like actual ship you're on like a little canoe right like a like a rowboat you're out in a rowboat in the middle of the freaking ocean like trying to kill this thing with spears yeah right <laughs> otherwise outmatched you know <laughs> i mean it, it it does get old after a while after you like once you collect enough to do all the upgrades you gotta do you don't want yeah. to do it anymore but it, i mean and black flag also introduced diving into the into the franchise where you had to dive with a diver's bell on like they actually used back in the pirate mm-hmm. days where like if you want to air you just went up to the diving bell and take like a quick breath and then go back down and there's these sharks underwater all trying to kill you while you're doing this and you and there's also jellyfish you to avoid too because they could kill you with one 
stab, but... And you're going through these underwater caves trying to get collectibles, and, like, it's like a freaking spy movie, because, like, you're swimming along, all of a sudden it's just like, <gasps> shark coming, and, like, you're just leaning against the wall as the shark passes you, like, in the hallway. And sometimes I actually literally would jump out of my seat because a shark would come out of nowhere and start biting me. <laughs> right. Sharks are scary. <laughs> Rogue is in my top five, though, because I like the fact that you got to play as a Templar, finally, and it turned the tables on this franchise. Like, you're playing as the Templar, and you're killing assassins. Shake Cormac, that's the name of the character you play. And he's the darkest, and he becomes the dark, like they say, it's the darkest turn in the assassin's history. And you actually end up, at the end of the game, it's spoilers, you end up in Paris at the end of the game, and you get killed at the end of the game, and your son is Edward Kenway. Oh, okay. Oh. oh, cool. And you get killed. You go into a meeting room in Paris somewhere, and you get shot. Your son, Edward, is sitting outside the room, and he's and a man comes up to him and says, let me tell you about a group of people. And that and that leads into Black Flag, and that leads into... Because Edward Kenway meets a Native American and has a son named Connor Kenway, who was in Assassin's Creed 3, so... It's the backwards book. It's it's backward generations. Like they like they like to tell a story from the son of a son first, then the son, and then the original person. Yeah, right. That, yeah. It's kind of cool. It kind of makes it more of like an onion to like peel exactly. Back. And like you find out more and more about your family as you go through like the games. Right. Rogue is definitely in my top five. I wouldn't say Syndicate and Unity are my top five because as much as Syndicate was annoying as hell because of the glitches and the crashing and everything else. I can't tell you how many times I almost finished a multiplayer mission and then right when I'm about to run to the home base, like five feet away, it crashes. Yeah, and then you, it doesn't it doesn't save your progress in multiplayer either until you finish it. So it's annoying as hell. Syndicate was a good game though, because it, I mean, it was a cool game. It, I, I don't even remember the details of it to a degree because it was but it picks up right where you left off in paris and like benjamin franklin's in syndicate too mm, okay i think he actually gets killed in paris which i think is actually realistic too and that like he's murdered in paris while you're with him. and in that one i believe you are a templar as well in the beginning and then eventually the assassins start to try to like oh no you're an assassin in that game but you start to side with the templars too and like you're kind of in the middle of it all like both sides are trying to use you to play against the other and it just doesn't work but then unity was amazing i loved the way they had it they made it like brotherhood where you start up your own gang but it was like a london it was a london street gang in the 1800s each neighborhood had different gangs that controlled it like saints row so yeah, you had to right. go so you had to go like to their home bases and kill them all and like if you did it like stealthily you would get through it a lot faster and you'd get bonuses and plus, you had grappling guns in that game. That was the cool part, because instead of having to climb five minutes up a huge building, <laughs> it's like, grappling gun! Grappling guns make every game better. <laughs> Hook shots or grappling guns. But you also had to sh you also had to shoot, like, across, like, roofs, and, like, you basically were doing, like, Batman maneuvers. Oh, that's awesome. And, like, the whole game was just cool, because, like, you could ride on trains, too, and, like, you could rob trains in London. Or you had to stop train robbery sometimes from other gangs doing it. And they had, like, the Gatling guns in the back of train cars, like, in Red Dead Redemption. Unity was overall just a very cool game, and I loved it. Like, it was just, it's cool, plus you, you got to, it was the first game where you got to play as a girl, too. Yeah, great DLCs, too. I mean, the Jack the Ripper one we talked about, it has this other DLC called, uh... The last Maharaja. It's a cool DLC like that where, like, it's a Jacob missions where you have to, like, protect this Maharaja visiting from India. Mm. So it's basically like a bodyguard type thing. It's kind of cool. There's a couple other cool DLCs for that game as well. Though, I mean, but that's not my top five either because then we come to the prequel games and... Mm, Origins is not going to be my top five, though. I, I mean, which pretty much sums up what the other two in my top five are going to be. But Origins was a good game. It just... They were trying to do something different. They did it very well, but... It just set the precedent for Odyssey and Valhalla to be even better games. Odyssey and Valhalla are the last two of my top five because I like ancient Egypt uh, mythology. I always have Egyptian mytholo mythology, but Greek mythology and Norse mythology are always more of a favorite thing to me because of, of course, Marvel Comics and because and because we all grow up hearing stories about Zeus and stuff, and we all saw Hercules when we were kids. Right. Yeah. I love that in Odyssey you get to hunt down like some of the animals that Hercules killed, like the legendary animals. Like you, you get to hunt down the Nemean lion and all these other, and they keep that in Valhalla too, where you get to hunt down all these legendary creatures. Which in Origins, the only thing they did was, oh, this is the alpha crocodile nest. This is the alpha hippo nest. There's like twenty of these in each area. You have to kill them. Like that's all. The, that's all they did. Like there wasn't like legendary creatures besides like those and the elephants. But in Odyssey and Valhalla, they made legendary creatures, and in Valhalla, you get to kill, like, legendary creatures throughout England, like the hellhounds, mm -hmm. that, the, the black dogs that supposedly, like, 
bothered a town for a long time. And plus the DLCs are just amazing because like I already said in Odyssey, you have the Atlantis DLC, which is the last one they put out. And you have the hidden, you have the hidden, because it's the Cult of Cosmos in Odyssey. That's the bad guys. It's a huge freaking screen of people to kill basically and Odyssey is a long 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 game trying to figure out who everybody is and trying to kill them and in all those games they have mercenaries coming after you 24-7 once you become reputable like there's just NPC mercenaries coming after you like trying to kill you like that's their job and in Origins the mercenaries were freaking so hard to kill so hard to kill but in Odyssey they were a little hard to kill and then in Valhalla it was just like child's play but right I think people complain too much and they started making them easier. And, and then Odyssey, at, after you do all that, they introduce the hidden ones in the first DLC, which is what becomes the assassins eventually, the hidden ones. And you end up, spoilers, if, but if you haven't played it by now, I don't know what the hell you think you're doing, but you end up marrying the daughter of the head hidden, of the hidden one who trained you. And then your kid becomes the main character from Origins. Oh, okay. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, and then... Valhalla is kind of a backwards throw into Odyssey, even though they really don't, you really don't see it, but I mean, obviously it's going back further in time, so somehow you're really, they actually had a crossover DLC in Valhalla with the character from Odyssey, because, spoilers again, but I already kind of said this, (sighs) at the end of Odyssey, you're in Atlantis and you have the staff of Hermes. Oh, right, right. So, you're immortal, so, which actually, that doesn't make sense. Well, actually, I guess the time I guess the time periods in Valhalla and Odyssey kind of cross over, but I don't think Vikings went as far as Greece, at least not to my knowledge. I think Vikings stayed up like north more. Yeah, north and west, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, because you go to America in Valhalla. I forget what the hell they call it, but they don't call it America, obviously, because they call it some other name I can't think of, something land. Basically, a Native American woman shows up at the dock and says, "We need your help." One of the bad vikings you're trying to kill is in america so you go there and you have to go there without any of your armor for some reason you can't bring any of your armor because the boat's too small yeah it makes sense you go there and basically you're viking underwear but yeah basically they have america in it they have and you they have all of england and valhalla and you get to conquer it all and a couple parts of uh iceland not iceland finland too i think it is or Nor- norway there's two different parts of norway you get to collect everything in and conquer eventually but you go to england to try to start again like to try to conquer land like all vikings want to do in that time and just start your own kingdoms and you st- you start your own town basically eventually called raventhorpe because you're from the raven clan and the way it starts off at least the way i played because i played as the girl your brother comes home from ex- from raiding and he he has strangers with him they bring back to norway and they're an assassin mentor and assassin trainee Bassum and i forget the trainee's name but and basically that you go, they go to England with you, they help you set up your town and everything, and they give you advice along the way, and eventually they're like, oh yeah, well, while you're here, there's these people we hate, and mm-hmm. if you're out if you're out raiding and you happen to kill them, we wouldn't mind it. Just grab this coin off them that proves that they're one of the group they're, that we think they're part of, which is Templars, but... Right. And yeah. then, because the Templars are starting to exist at that point, and they're, they don't even call themselves assassins yet, they're still hidden ones at this point. Right. But they're like, if you kill them, give us the coins, and eventually we'll teach you more stuff and upgrade your gear. And that becomes the point of the game eventually while conquering kingdoms because you don't just conquer you don't just go in and kill everybody in every kingdom and try to conquer it uh-huh. you right. make you go to you go to each land and you talk to the or the Jarl or the king of that land and you make up a deal like oh if you do this for me we'll pledge to you and then eventually you have to make pledges with them all or the ones that won't pledge you to kill the head person and take over and that's basically that's basically the synopsis of all Valhalla is just doing that the whole time and but you get to fight in huge Viking battles and they had the DLC with uh, Ireland where you go to Ireland and help your Viking cousin like take over Ireland and they have werewolves and druids and all that cool oh, stuff cool. seeing the evolution from like the first game to Valhalla is so interesting because you almost you almost couldn't tell if you didn't know if it was assassin's creed game you'd be like these are two entirely different games which in many ways they are um but it's it's it is really cool i definitely want to pick up valhalla at some point i'm kind of surprised i haven't well i i I think it's kind of like an ubisoft thing though where they kind of set like uh the franchise as the front name and then they put kind of like what the game is after that like with uh, prince of persia they did that with uh assassin's creed they did that with far cry they they're doing that they they essentially like far cry 6 and far cry 1 are entirely different games as well they they are different but they're also the same like far cry games don't change as much it's just a different island or it's a different place because like they went to america in far cry uh, 5 and uh, far cry new dawn you're in america pre and post apocalyptic 
apocalyptic nuclear meltdown. That was cool. I mean, Far Cry. I mean, we're not talking about Far Cry, but Far Cry Five was freaking. I can do a whole another hour on that. Well, hey, we'll we'll have you back when we do Far Cry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Valhalla was an amazing game, and they also go to France. You kill Fat Louis. I think that was his name. He was a real king in the Viking Age. His name, I think, his name was Fat, his name was Fat something. I think it was Fat Louis. That's what everybody called him. It has to be an early Louis because it'd be Viking eras. You basically had to help like the poor French people like do an uprising against him. Oh, they okay. always, that's what they do. <laughs> but that that DLC was cool too. It wasn't as good as the Ireland one because Ireland one had all the cool mythological and like paranormal elements to it but right yeah but i mean yeah and then of course in valhalla you get to go to asgard you get to go to jotunheim and in the last dlc ragnarok you get to go to Vardalheim, which i know i'm butchering that name but where the dwarfs live it's this awesome dlc where you actually play as odin but you, they don't call him odin and you're trying to save balder because okay. Bal- balder's death because in mythology that's actually how ragnarok starts is balder dies and right it kicks off ragnarok and in the game you actually have to take care of loki's two sons like well, well his one son fenris the wolf like you have to bound him and everything and then you have to fight him when he gets out for ragnarok's start but yeah, you and like the dwarves are being taken over by ice giants and fire giants. So you have to fight Surtur. Like he made a deal with the ice giants and the two of them are taken over. So you go to the dwarf's land and you have to help the dwarves like reclaim their homeland. And you get all these cool powers. Like you could turn into a raven and fly because they have like these monoliths in the sky that they like have things you need to collect on in order to win. And so you can, you could fly and you can get the powers of a frost giant or a fire giant. And you could like walk through lava or you can freeze enemies just by touching them like it's like i love when they add powers it's like saints row 4 like i like when you get like alien powers or like yeah god, god yeah. powers in games when did valhalla come out recently right recently 2020 2020 and what's the difference between you like does ubisoft have plans for the future do you think oh god yes <laughs> well the way Valhalla ends in modern time is complicated. I'm not even going to get into it because you'd, you'd have to play the games to understand it. But basically, they're making a new, smaller version that's going to be smaller than the last three games where you play as Bassem the Assassin. Like, you're, it's basically going back further in time to his backstory because he plays a major part in the ending of Valhalla. Eventually, they'll just be cavemen, Assassin's Creed. No, they, they never will do that because they're not going to copy Far Cry Primal. Oh, yeah, that's true. true. That's true. <laughs> The dinosaur Assassin's Creed. Oh, the, that'd be the vantage point. You climb on top of like a, a brontosaurus. But they also have they also have another game coming out. I believe it's called Assassin's Creed Infinity, and it's going to be a multiplayer online MMORPG, and it's going to be just just multiplayer, no single player mode, and it's just going to be different. Like you know, like it's like how Fortnite does different arenas and stuff all the time. Oh yeah, it's yeah. It, it's going to be different time periods, like released after time. Like this season is this time period. This. Season season is this time period mm, right right because um a lot of money that ubisoft makes today is through microtransactions um i'm assuming making something like that where they'll have seasons of stuff come out they'll be able to uh kind of capitalize on the games as a service which i will never play infinity because i hate i hate multiplayer games i despise them when i was a kid it was a different story but i i like tv shows i like movies so if I, the little bit of time I have to play a video game, I want to. I want it to be a good story, so it's like mm-hmm. I'm watching TV, but I'm playing it. Right. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So those are the two new things that Assassin's Creed has coming out. I don't see either coming out before 2023, honestly, no. because people are still playing Valhalla for God's sake like crazy, and st- people people are still playing the older games. All right. So uh, yeah. So we um, we're gonna move along to our uh, our byway pass segment where we'll talk about games. Uh, and how and how we're excited about buying, waiting, or passing. Um, uh, before we do, though, um, we do want to just say that the the Assassin's Creed franchise is very successful for Ubisoft. Um, they've all sold millions of copies each, because uh, we like to just talk about the numbers real quick. The original Assassin's Creed would go on to sell about 11.28 million copies in each series, and that's middling for them. That's like mid amount of sales for them. There was an interesting thing that I was reading about. So the original Assassin's Creed came out in 2007. In 2008, there was a pirated version of the game that was released, and it became one of the most popular downloaded pirated titles. And Ubisoft believes that it led to 700 
thousand copies being downloaded and not being bought. And they ended up suing uh, Optical Experts Manufacturing, who were the disc manufacturers, and suing them for poor security for leaking the game. I yeah, I wasn't able to determine how they resolved that because they sealed the records. But I just thought it was uh, kind of unique that the original Assassin's Creed could have been even more popular than it is. And obviously the rest of the franchise, as Jeremy has expounded on, has uh, gotten better as it has gone along and has definitely uh, increased in quality as well as kind of uh, they as they kind of got their um, their head in the game, as it were, and kind of figured out where they were going with it. So uh, now we'll uh, go over to the buy, wait, pass. And we'll talk about games that we're excited to buy, wait, or pass on. Uh, so uh, Jeremy, uh, as our guest, what game are you excited about that's coming out that you're excited to buy, wait, or pass on technically i got four but we already talked about one and that's the assassin and that's the assassin's creed rift game they call it now the Bassam game whenever that comes out i will definitely I, I never do not buy assassin's creed game so the other one is the one that hasn't been put up in the pre-orders yet on xbox at least and that is the harry potter game coming out oh yeah hogwarts legacy as a huge potterhead pothead potterhead <laughs> but as a huge one, I cannot wait for that game to come out. I've been saying for years, it would be so fun just to have a game where you could walk down the street and Avada Kavada. <laughs> ever since that game got announced like a year and a half ago, I've been dying for it to come out. Like, it looks amazing. I've been waiting for a Harry Potter RPG to come out for years. I know every movie had its own game and they got better with time too. Some of them were fun as hell. I, I just, and the Lego games, of course, are amazing, but I just, I want an RPG that's open world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where you can just where you can just apparate to anywhere in the world. The other two games are games that I already pre-ordered. Nice. The the best edition you could buy to get all the exclusives that you get if you if you pre-order it, and that would be the new Saints Row, the new reboot of Saints Row that they're doing, which is disappointing in a way, but is also kind of exciting because they really couldn't go anywhere else with that story. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in the last Saints Row game, you're trapped in space, or you got to play as Johnny Gat in hell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the last game I'm looking forward to that's already pre-ordered is one they just put on the pre-order list, and that's Gotham Knights, because it's the spiritual successor to Arkham series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get to play as Red Hood and Nightwing and Batgirl and Robin, like all four of them in one game, and you can switch back and forth. And you get to just play as the four of those, and I was watching a video on it the other day on my Xbox, and they all have different fighting styles, and you can do combos. It reminds me of the old X-Men like games for uh, GameCube and PS2. So those are the four games I'm looking forward to, basically. Yeah, nice. Well, the the game I'm uh, excited about is Evil Dead the game, being developed and published by Saber Interactive, and it's actually already out i think it came out uh, on the 13th of may but this is a it's like a multiplayer almost dead by daylight style game uh with pve so you fight against uh various deadites as characters from evil dead the franchise i think it's not only ash but you also play as characters from the the tv show ash versus the evil dead and characters from uh like army of darkness and stuff like that and it looks like a no pun intended it looks like a blast you know beyond just blowing monsters apart with ash's double barrel you know it, it looks like a really fun visceral game and i love the evil dead franchise i love the first movie i loved the second movie army of darkness i think is hilarious and i really can't wait to try this game out um so i'll most likely buy it i'm going to try to convince my friends to buy it too because it is uh i think heavily multiplayer and i i'm like i'm like seth i'm like he, i don't like playing with people i don't know so i want to like play a video game with people who I can like uh, enjoy playing it with so I'm going to try to convince my friends to all get it with me uh, so that we can uh, we can play it but that's uh, the game that I am looking forward to. What about you, Seth? I'm actually looking forward to a game that we kind of talked about already, and that is City of Atlantis. Oh! <laughs> it's actually a it's an isometric city-building game with some survival components where the legendary City of Atlantis has emerged from underwater, and you get to build and plan and upgrade it and build it along. So it is being developed by uh, Gambit Game Studio and is going to be released in the future. It's a TBA to be announced uh, date right now. But uh, yeah, it looks kind of cool. looks like right up my sort of alley. Um, I do like my city builders. I did look at the other games that Gambit Game Studio has done in the past and they it's a kind of a smattering of mixed reviews with 
positive reviews. So I will, I'm going to wait on buying the game A City of Atlantis initially. I will wishlist it. And when it comes out, I'll wait for the, the reviews to come in and see what the price point is and then make my decision at that time. So I'll be putting that down as a wait. Great. Well, Jeremy, can you uh, remind our listeners where they can find you and all of your content? Well, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram as at Juggalo Bastard. You can also find me on Facebook as Jeremy Bryant. And you can find the podcast I'm on, Bracket Bastards, is on all major podcast platforms. Same as same for Paranormal The New Normal. We have Facebook groups for both. Bracket Bastards Facebook group has a dollar sign for the first S and Bastards. And um, Paranormal The New, New Normal has a Facebook group too, which you're already a member of because you just... I literally just joined it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm going to join this. That was the fastest NFT in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it works for me so yes it's out there and i do get previews throughout the week depending on how much material i have of my guests that upcoming saturday and i am currently booked on paranormal the new normal up until august, end of august so we have someone lined up for every week to the end of august including a Loch Ness slash champ hunter many a couple mediums it's just amazing authors it's just a lot of different people coming on you, it's you should exciting. get the uh the guy in um uh, maine he has the cryptid museum the cryptozoology museum lauren coleman that is my dream but he is the one of the most famous cryptozoologists out yeah, there just... and it's impossible to get him on podcast almost he's just bring your equipment down to his museum and he's sometimes right there, there. I, I saw him once <laughs> i actually am a lifetime member of the international cryptozoological association of america Oh, nice or however they say it but i am a, i am a lifetime member so i do have free access to that museum anytime i want nice. but i don't i don't want to drive I, I went there once when we went to Maine for vacation but i don't want to drive the three four hours to get there right now but that's where you can find me and check us out anybody that's paranormal experiences feel free to Get, slide in my DMs and let me know. I am always looking for people to be on the show. Even if I have to book you out a few months, you'll get on eventually. Great. All right. Seth, do you want to take us out? Sure. For our own stuff, you can uh, listen to us wherever uh, podcast apps are available. You can uh, contact us via email at uh, classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our socials, our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch are at Classic Gaming Brothers, and our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod. You can look forward to a new episode release uh, every Sunday in your feed. And Zach, is there a uh, Anything else that I'm missing? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. Play games like me, though, because I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> I've been Zach. I've been Seth. And I've been Jeremy, and I've had a great time on this show tonight. Great. Awesome. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers and Jeremy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>